Hey everyone, my name is Maggie Chang. And I'm Elena Cho. And welcome to Gourmand, a show set on empowering the next generation of food lovers and leaders. Today we are here with Michelle Morocco. She is the winemaker at Kohler Estate, a winery located in the beautiful San Ynez Valley in Santa Barbara County. Kohler is a small but dynamic family winery known for their distinctive estate-grown wines crafted entirely from fruit grown on their 100-acre estate. And with the release of this episode, they are offering customers 20% off their first order with the code Gourmand. So be sure to visit KohlerWinery.com to place your first order. In this episode, we talked to Michelle about her interest in the intersection of wine and chemistry, harvests around the world, and about her role as a winemaker for Kohler Estate. Let's dig in. Welcome to Gourmand, Michelle. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, welcome. We're so excited to have you on the pod. So to start, we'd love to learn a little bit more about uh, where you grew up and like if wine was ever something that you considered going into at an early age. Oh, yes. Um, So I grew up all over the place a little bit. So I was born in New Jersey. And when I was about 11, we moved up, my family and I, to Syracuse, New York. And really close to Syracuse is a little wine region called the Finger Lakes. And I remember my parents going there. And as a kid, we would go out there and they would have grape juice for kids and wine for parents. And it was all just a really fun time. So wine has been in my life since I was little, but I didn't really start looking at it as a career until much later in life. So after... New York, when I was looking for schools, I really just wanted to go as warm as possible. And for me, that was Florida. So (laughs) I went to Tampa to study chemistry because I liked chemistry. And um, then I went out to California after that as the next warmest place. And that's when I found wine again. I went to USC for grad school and of course the Santa Barbara region was the closest wine region. So I remember going up there um, and wine just really came back to me at that point. And that's when I started looking at it as a career. How did your love of chemistry and your studies with that, um, do you think that influenced your, uh, your being drawn to the world of wine? Yeah, so when I was in probably high school, I was a bit of a nerd. I loved the sciences, but I also really liked art and um, uh, the arts in general. So when I was looking for what I wanted to do in life, I was like, I want something that combines both art and science. And that just kind of led me to college. It didn't really lead me to wine at that point. Um, So I went to a school that was a liberal arts school, allowed me to do both science and um, music, actually. And it wasn't until, again, grad school where, you know, I was so in-depth into chemistry at that point that looking for a career, I wanted, you know, something that was exciting always challenging, but also brought back that artistry that was kind of missing from grad school. And that's really where wine came back into my life. Mm -hmm. And 
did how did the idea of being a winemaker come about because i know there's a bunch of careers in wine you can be a sommelier you can be a tasting room manager what made you decide that you wanted to be the winemaker yeah so my first um first work out of grad school was at a winery in napa and i i found that the best way to really learn about the wine industry was just getting into it and for me getting into it was doing harvest and that's the busy season of course of when the grapes come in to the winery so the job that i had my family will always give me a hard time for what it was it's called a grape maturity sampler so it sounds really <laughs> cool and exciting <laughs> and it really was um but I was in the vineyard first and taking samples every day, going to all the different vineyards that they had in Napa and some surrounding areas as well. And I learned really from the base up and learning from the vineyard and then getting a chance to see what happens in the cellar. And of course, since I had a chemistry background, whenever, um, I could, I was also in the lab. <laughs> and I found that out of all the different opportunities you have at a winery, that for me, the winemaker position kind of brought everything together of what I had done in the past and wanted to do in the future of, you know, using science and chemistry, but also having um, a creativity aspect um, to winemaking that made it my career goal. So I heard from talking to Maggie a little bit that you traveled to Europe at one point to learn about wine. Could you tell us a little about that? Yes, another great way of learning a lot about the wine industry um, is of course doing harvest, but doing harvest all over the world. And it's easier than it sounds because you can travel Northern hemisphere to Southern hemisphere and do two harvests in a year. So instead of being kind of a temp worker, you almost have a full-time job. <laughs> and one of the places you really want to go, of course, is Europe. Um, and I was fortunate enough to go over to Germany for a harvest. And, you know, Germany sounds like, you know, the beer capital, <laughs> not where you would go to learn about wine. But there's some amazing wine out there. They, where I worked, there was over 30 varietals of wine coming into this winery and they you learn so much from going to different countries and europe and germany was definitely one of the highlights i it's hard to go back to europe for for harvest just because of the way the visas work and things like that that you find yourself more going to places like new zealand and australia uh, where you can spend up to a year in those countries. And I also had the opportunity to go to South Africa. So going to these different countries really exposed you to different winemaking techniques, different varietals, and helps, helps you figure out what kind of varietals and where you want to end up. Because I found that out of all the places you can go to in the world, in the U.S., you can find those similar climates or microclimates. Say you loved going to Bordeaux. I mean, 
Napa would be the place that first comes to my mind as a place to, you know, make a foundation in your career for winemaking. Um, I loved also the cooler climates of New Zealand and Germany. Those ones really um, kind of struck a chord in me and I really enjoyed those areas. And that's another reason I find myself here in Santa Barbara County, where we have um, where we have Pinot Noir and some other cooler climate varietals like Chardonnay. So it really gave me the opportunity traveling around to figure out what varietals I want to work with. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. How many harvests did you do around the world? I think I ended up doing around 10 harvests around the world. Wow. Yeah, so I ended up in New Zealand, ended up doing both the Northern, the North Island and the South Island. So I was able to actually get three harvests out in one year where I did North Island, New Zealand, South Island, New Zealand. And after that, I think I went up to Washington State for the rest of the year. <laughs> oh, wow, that's a ton of work. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you get addicted to the traveling and the excitement of harvest that once you're doing just one harvest a year, um, it almost feels like you're forgetting something. <laughs> um, and how did these different places do harvest differently? Or for our listeners who don't know what the harvest process looks like, can you talk a little bit more and explain that? Absolutely. So harvest is really the main season and the busiest time and kind of the culmination time of the wine industry. There's so much that happens year long that results in harvest. So, you know, you've got pruning that starts in the winter time and the vines are growing all through the springtime and into the summer and early fall, you're really watching the grapes to figure out when you want to pick them. That's one of the biggest decisions as a winemaker is when you're bringing in when you're picking your grapes. And that is technically when harvest starts because you're harvesting your grapes. And as soon as those grapes come into the winery, that's when all the other decisions happen. And that's when we end up making wine. And after, after harvest, you know, of course, a lot of things happen during harvest of making the wine. And we could talk about that for ages. But then, you know, you have wine and the whole rest of the year is taking care of that wine. And, um, you know, that wine is now in barrel if it's a red wine or if it's a white wine. It could still be in barrel or you're trying to get it ready for bottling right away. And there's a lot of things um, that you have to work with on that as well. Yeah, it's so fascinating um, to hear about. And, you know, I know I at least like definitely want to learn more about wine and I'm pretty unfamiliar with the process. So it's really fascinating to hear. Um, and yeah, I can imagine that decision about that moment of when to start the harvest and when to start picking is super important. And um, and I'm curious, kind of, I guess, what goes into that decision and um, and kind of, yeah, just a little more about that. Absolutely. So... When we're deciding when to pick grapes, we're looking at so many different things. We're looking at 
the weather is one of them. <laughs> we're looking at the sugar content of the grapes. We're looking at the acid content of the grapes. So this is where that science part comes in, um, as well as taste comes in at this point too. Because you want to find that right balance of sugar in the grapes, you want acid in the grapes, and you also want the grapes to taste good. Grapes still have a flavor, not as much as the resulting wine, but they're going to have similar flavors that you're constantly looking for. Um, one of the things you might um, know is Cab, Cabernet Sauvignon, the wine. Sometimes it can have a bit of a green flavor to it. And I find this one is really important when you're tasting the grapes is sometimes you can actually taste a green flavor like a green bell pepper and things like that and to me that means those grapes are still underripe because i don't want those flavors in my cab and the taste is important in that respect and another thing we look at is the color of the seeds so when the grapes are ripe the seeds will actually turn brown and that's a really good indicator that you've gotten to the ripeness that you need to pick to have all those right, um, everything coming in at the right time. How do you go about thinking about making wine and especially at Kohler now? So when I think about making wine, I want to work with, you know, the grapes at their most opportune time. So I want them to be ripe. So we're getting all those ripe, fruity flavors in our wine. And I also want to, you know, be as minimalistic as possible. Um, you might hear that a lot in the wine industry, but the main thing is, and people say this all the time, but it's so true. You can't make good wine out of bad grapes, but you can make bad wine out of good grapes. <laughs> so it's all about the grapes and really letting them shine and doing as little as possible to them to make the best wine that you can. And with red grapes, it's really the best way to kind of explain the process. Um, again, with Cab, such a good um, example is, you know, we want those ripe sugars. We want some, you know, nice quality acid in the grapes too, and everything to be ripe when we pick. And then when we pick, you have these certain decisions of, do I want to, um, so a normal thing you do is you destem your grapes. So that's taking the grapes off of the actual cluster of grapes. And from there, they go into a large vessel or a small vessel, depending on your lot size. And at this point, there's so many different things you can do to the grapes, but the main thing you're trying to do is you're extracting the most amount of color and flavor from the skins of the grapes, because that's where all the flavor and the color is. Um, so here at Kohler, I'm trying to do that in the most optimal way to get all of the good things that the grapes have into the final wine. And kind of turning back to your career, I guess, could you talk a little about uh, what led you to Kohler and the decision to come on there? Absolutely. So 
we've talked a little bit about um, how I've jumped all over the world. Um, I guess a good way to start this question is kind of going through where I've been. So my first harvest was up in Napa, where I really got the exposure to the wine industry and a really nice overall vision of what it is. And from there, I went to New Zealand and, of course, learned more, got exposed to Pinot Noir and some cool climate, white wines. And from there, I went up to Washington State, a great, great place to make wine. Not many people think about it, but Washington State has some great wine. And from there, I went to Australia, working with, you know, varietals you find here all the time, like Syrah. Uh, which they call uh, Shiraz. Great, great wines, fun blends in Australia. And from there, I went to Germany, which we talked about, and South Africa. And I ended up back in Australia for a long period of time because that's where my husband's from. And um, we are looking to come to America. Um, and the first place. I ended up was actually in Paso Robles and great wine up in Paso. Absolutely loved it. Um, and then COVID hit. <laughs> um, so, you know, COVID has been a tough on the wine industry, but also a blessing to the wine industry at the same time. And um, it gave me the opportunity to really kind of look around and seek out where I wanted to make wine. And um, it was actually Corey um, Kohler who reached out to me um, asking me to come out to the winery. And I came out here really unfamiliar with Kohler at the time because it had been so long since I had been to Santa Barbara County. Um, but it always left an impression on me since I visited back in my grad school days. And I just, I loved the estate vineyards as soon as I got on the property. They're just sprawling as soon as you enter the gate. Um, and the owners, Peter and Corey, they're so interested in quality wine and making quality wine that's both approachable um, and affordable. And I just really, really enjoyed learning about what they were doing here at Kohler and where they wanted to go. And just seemed like a great, perfect spot to kind of, you know, start that foundation in the wine industry as a winemaker in the US. We have some really great varietals on the property. And uh, we're really looking at, you know, making the best quality wine from the best quality fruit we can grow here on the property. Yeah, yeah. And having visited the winery, um, it, the property is absolutely beautiful. And I think what makes the wines unique is that um, they're state grown and um, they're some of like the oldest vines in Santa Barbara County. Can you tell us a little bit more about what you've been working on at the winery and um, what vintages uh, your bottling. Absolutely. So this was my first harvest here at Kohler. So the 2020 harvests are when I got to work with the grapes for the first time. And like you said, yeah, we're very fortunate to have 
these estate grapes. So um, that just means that the grapes are grown here on the property. They're turned into wine here on the property and they're bottled on the property. So everything is done here. We have some great grapes here from Cabernet Sauvignon. We have Sangiovese, which is an unusual varietal here in Santa Barbara County. And that also allows us to make some fun blends. We also have Syrah, Grenache, and Morvedra, which you'll see um, on the Central Coast as a really nice up and coming blend. You'll see Grenache and Syrah around here as well. And then for the white wines, we have some great Chardonnay, Viognier, and Grenache Blanc, and Riesling as well. Wow. Yeah, that's so many varieties. Um, and yeah, I guess you kind of we were mentioning COVID a little, um, but I am curious how the pandemic has affected um, the wine world in general, do you think, and kind of where you see it going from here? It's very interesting how COVID has really impacted the small wineries and really the wine taste atmosphere in general. Um, when it comes to production, we're very fortunate to be considered essential because there's so much work that needs to be done to wine every day. And so that keeps, you know, winemakers, cellar workers, vineyard workers, all, um, all working, which is amazing. And we're very fortunate for that. The toughest part is the tasting room. So we were shut down here in California and Santa Barbara County for a long period of time between, I think it was between Thanksgiving and Christmas. And we just reopened a few weeks ago. So that's normally a really slow time for the industry in general anyways. But this one was particularly hard because you're so, at least for the small wineries, I find we're so direct to consumers. So it's all about people coming to visit us and tasting our wines and buying our wines that um, having that cut off was a very difficult time. So mm -hmm. we're focusing a lot on becoming more virtual to have um, our current existing customers being able to reach us virtually and reach our sales virtually, as well as um, finding new customers as well and new clients um, virtually. And I think that is the direction of the wine industry is you're gonna see more virtual wine tastings, wine tastings to go, small kits, um, a lot more online presence for wineries, um, which for a lot of us, it's really difficult. It's a big change going in that direction because we're so used to a face-to-face -face relationship with our customers. Yeah, I think it's I think it's so interesting to just learn about how why the wine world is becoming more digital because I feel like it's an industry that previously um it was kind of archaic, like didn't really need use like technology and now there's all these challenges with um, going online and thinking through like how to do virtual tastings and how to do um, 
kits and stuff. And so I'm very excited to see what's what's next. I agree. It, it is so new and you you see it in the wine industry in general and even around here for our neighbors in Santa Barbara County about people, you know, slowly kind of getting to these new aspects of being virtual, um, having those virtual tastings or these small kits like you were talking about, that it's really neat to see how it's evolving and we're all trying to get on that similar page as each other together, which I think is such a cool thing about the wine industry as well, is how collaborative it is. It's not, you know, who's better than who, it's how can we all um, get to the next level together. Yeah, it's so interesting to hear and definitely very curious to see um, as, you know, the wine industry and beverage industry and hospitality industry has had to shift to virtual um, question of how you bring that experience to people. I think it's been so, um, so important. Yes, it's all about still being able to reach and serve your um, customers in this time where they can't get to you <laughs> or you can't, you know be with them in person. Yeah. And starting to wrap up, we're curious if you had any advice or uh, that you would tell students or young people who are looking to enter the wine world. I feel like often in my generation, as we're coming of age, it's wine is something that feels a bit um, like out of reach, like there's a high barrier to entry. So if you have any advice for how to learn about wine or like how to break into the industry, um, we'd love to, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Absolutely. I can totally see that as it being a difficult um, area to reach. But the really neat thing about the wine industry is people are very passionate about it. Those of us that work in it and we're all we all want to share our knowledge about the industry and um, teach others as well that whether you're able to search for a harvest job and do a harvest internship um, those are great ways to get started but even if you're not at that point where you can do that just going out to a winery or reaching out um, or calling or email and finding a winemaker or someone in the industry just to have a virtual meeting with or a chat over the phone is such a great way to get started to learn a little bit more because like you said we were talking about earlier there are so many different aspects of the wine industry for finding which career you want to be in that I find the best way is to just reach out and you'll find people are so friendly and want to talk about what they do especially right now with COVID too, you don't get to talk to many people right now because a lot of things are closed. We are reopening, but it still have that, you know, that feeling of I want to talk to more people. And yeah, I would say reach out would be my best advice. Um, try to get an internship or um, a temporary job where you're learning about what areas you're interested in and I find that's a great way to find out if that's what you want to pursue or if that's something where you know you're like maybe I don't want to work in the cellar but I want to work with wine and maybe something like a sommelier would be a great thing to look into so definitely reach out would be my best advice 
And then do you have any advice for maybe some of our listeners who are just interested in learning more about wine from a consumer standpoint and maybe, you know, know very little and don't really know where to start, um, how they can start to kind of develop that palette and, and learn more? That's a great question. So it's a little bit easier now, I would say, since wineries are open again. But going wine tasting and just tasting wine is the best way to learn. Even if just getting started when you're wine tasting, all you can decide is, I like this wine and I don't like this wine. That is a great way to start. You don't need a huge knowledge or you don't need to be a sommelier to taste and enjoy wine. Just find what you like to drink and kind of dive in from there. Um, start to you know, think about those flavors. Maybe you get one of those nerdy um, flavor wheels or maybe you want to learn more about how the wine is made. You know, go to your local wineries and you'll find that um, the people serving you have some great knowledge to share about the wine that they're serving, um, whether it's how it's made or what it tastes like. And that's a great way to get started. Yeah, I think that's great advice, especially as we're all trying to learn more about wine. Um, and so now we have a final segment called the quick fire tasting menu, um, where we're just going to ask you um, short questions and we'd love to know the first thing that comes to your mind. Okay. So the first question is, what's your favorite midnight snack? Popcorn. I love pop. <laughs> I, I love <laughs> do you like, do you pop your own or do you buy it usually? I pop my own. I pop my own and I um, mess with different toppings and things like that to find um, some fun new flavors. <laughs> then I'm slipping a question in here. What's your favorite popcorn topping at the moment? Ooh, I found this really nice one. It's like chili powder. If you have, um, either lemon zest or lemon powder and um, like a sharp cheese, like Parmesan cheese, and it's delicious. <laughs> um, um, okay, next question, best pairing. You know, you can never go wrong with sparkling wine and oysters. Definitely one of my favorites. What's your favorite wines at Kohler? I love the Sangiovese here. Um, the grapes are so good here for Sangiovese. And it's just, it's such a nice, fun wine that we have both on its own and also as a fun blend uh, that we call Maginera. It's normally a blend of Sangiovese and Cab. And they're great meal wines. They're medium to full body depending on the vintage they go great with just you know your normal evening of pizza and i need a glass of wine sounds perfect um what's your favorite takeout thai food is my favorite takeout and what's who's someone in the world of wine or just someone in the hospitality industry that you want to give a shout out to who you think um, is doing something cool I, I'm going to shout out um, one of my older bosses from when I was in South Africa. Her name is Zelma Long. Uh, one of my first 
first women I really got to work with in the wine industry. And they've got a really cool project going on in South Africa. And their wine is amazing. Awesome. Well, love those answers. And it was so much fun getting to chat with you and learn so much more about, you know, both your career through wine and also just the world of wine in general. That's a wrap on our conversation with Michelle Narocco from Kohler Estate. You can keep up with Kohler Estate at Kohler Winery on Instagram. And remember, you can get 20% off your first order with the code gourmand at kohlerwinery.com. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. I'm Elena Cho. And I'm Maggie Tang. And this is Gourmand.